Good morning, everyone. I'm Angela Davis. Thanks for joining us today. It is the first day of the fall member drive here at Minnesota Public Radio. We need to raise 4,000 donations by Friday to stay on track to our budget. So we need to hear from you. It takes thousands of supporters across the state to fund NPR. And so your gift is essential to meeting this fund drive goal. So make the choice to support this public media service that you rely on. Make your gift right now at nprnews.org or call us at 800-227-2811. Do it now. Don't wait. And I want you to know, too, that all new and increased monthly sustaining gifts will be matched for a whole year by members who made early donations right before the drive. Monthly sustaining donations are a simple and powerful way to provide that steady support to NPR. So make that monthly donation right now. Set it up at nprnews.org or you can call us at 800-227-2811. Okay. So today I have the pleasure of having two guests join me in the studio who I have been admiring from afar the last few years because during the darkest days of the economic turmoil created by the pandemic, they found a way to shine. Maybe you've heard of a restaurant called Afrodeli that now has four locations in the Twin Cities. In May, the owner earned national recognition after he was named Small Business Owner of the Year by the Small Business Administration. Or maybe you've heard of Union Mung Kitchen that started out as a food truck and now has two locations in Minneapolis. It was nominated for a James Beard Award for Best New Restaurant in 2022. And now the owner is planning to open another restaurant in 2024 called Vinay. The owners have different visions for their restaurants, but they have this in common, a passion for introducing Minnesotans to new cultures and flavors through their food. And their journeys are far from over. They are looking forward to even more new adventures, which they're going to tell us about today. I'm so happy to have sitting in the studio with me this morning, Abdurrahman Kahin, the owner of Afro Deli. Good morning. So, so wonderful to meet you. Good morning, Angela. Thanks for having us. Yes. And next to him is Chef Yia Vang, the owner of Union Mung Kitchen. Welcome back to the program, Yia. Thanks for having me. So do you guys know each other? Do you kind of run in the same circles? Of course you do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think I think it's the same busy circle. Yes. So, yes. you know, different events or different things. When our restaurants are doing the same thing, we mm-hmm. just, you know, get to say hi and stuff like that. Like at the State Fair. Yep. You know, we get Definitely, to yeah. Yep. We started at the State Fair. Yep. And... Um, yeah, have you ever eaten at Afro Deli? You yeah, said you've had it's, it's kind of my go to around here. <laughs> like if I'm in downtown St. Paul doing something here, you know, or working at uh, doing stuff at TPT. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. kind of my go to. Uh, big smile uh, on Abdi Rahman's face. And you have have yet to try some of Chef Yia's food. Yes, yes, yes? I have at the State Fair. And, oh, you uh, did. Yes, yeah. uh, you know when we go when we have when we have a little break, we try to go to you know e- restaurants that we know each other in. Mm-hmm. You know, did you like it? Yes, definitely. <laughs> he's a, he's a, so one of the best chef in town. So stop. <laughs> yeah, stop it. No doubt. I want to hear you two describe why you love uh, food and why you love cooking for other people because I, I certainly can tell there's some satisfaction in the work that you're you're doing. Um, among the many mm-hmm. reasons you do what you do. Why do you love food and cooking? Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, I, I can go. Um, I think that first and foremost, we really believe within our restaurant that every dish has a narrative, you know, and then uh, if you follow that narrative long enough and close enough, you get to the people behind the food. And once you're there, it's really not about food. It's about people. And that food is a catalyst into cultivating great relationships. Mm-hmm. And that's what it's about, right? You know, we, we can both agree that we're really not in the food business. We're in the people business. 
And what we get to do is we get to shine a light into the stories behind our cultures, behind the people that have developed our culture, these incredible trailblazers. And we get, for me, I get to do that through sticky rice, hot sauce, and, you know, grilled mung sausage, Mm -hmm. which has been such a great opportunity to uh, engage in uh get involved with people's lives. But I, I think one of the things I've really learned is food is a universal language we use to speak to each other. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't matter where you come from. It doesn't matter what part of the world you come from. But we can use food as this uh, vessel to speak to each other and to understand each other's culture. Because food to us, to humans, to people, it's just not uh, nutrients that sustains us. But it's actually a story of our souls and our journey. So, uh, yeah, we get to do that. And especially from the angle of um, the Hmong culture, Hmong history, um, it's been really amazing to do that. And that's what I love doing. And then uh, for me, as it gets very personal and close, is it's mom and dad's legacy. We get to share that with people. We get to sh- I get to show them these two incredible humans that lived in – that has lived in like uh, – you know, on like this life, this unconditional love, this sacrifice that they've given to us. And I get to help people see a little, you know, of that. Food is love. I won't look at my next meal the same. <laughs> what do you what do you love about being in the food business and, and giving people uh, a place to go eat some good food and maybe learn some things, too? It is. Uh, for me, food is a tool. It's a platform where you can bring uh, people together, people with different cultures mm-hmm. and you know, restaurant is for me a uh, dining room, you know, like here's dining room for everybody to come, mm-hmm. regardless your ethnicity, your beliefs, as long as the food, you know, it's good and the place is pleasant. Yes. And also often with food and meals comes conversation. There, there you go. This is uh, the first thing that, you know, before food, people are thinking how to convert, right? How to have a conversation. And the next thing will be food. <laughs> so that's what restaurants are for. Yeah. So it it, it facilitates uh, conversations. That's where you, if you are opening a business, first place that you go, you're gonna meet your partners or anybody. You go to a restaurant or a right. coffee shop. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's everybody's life in everyday life. And it's an opportunity then for connection. There you go. Right. Which yes. we need. How do you describe the type of food you serve at Afro Deli for folks who uh, maybe in other parts of the state who are not familiar with what you have on the menu? What kind of food is it? So uh, I would say Somali food, but uh, more African food, Pan-African food. Because mm-hmm. when when I came into in, in Minnesota, there were you know maybe like uh, 20, 25 restaurants from uh, different parts of Africa, mm-hmm. but they were all community restaurants. Right. And so. Um, Chef, yeah. How do you describe the food that you serve? You yeah. serve it's your family recipes, obviously. You said, yeah, it's derived from that. Mm-hmm. And I, I tell people we make monk food, and people always ask, well, what's monk food? And I get to say, hey, a monk food isn't a type of food, but it's a philosophy of food. And so when people ask me what is that philosophy, I say that the philosophy is that we are surrounded by a living world, that we can take this living world around us and create delicious dishes that will you know bring our community together and. Uh, that sustains us uh, nutritionally. And so that's what, you know, the history of Hmong food has been like that. No matter where we are in the world, no matter what part of the world we are, uh, we've been able to use the, you know, the grounds, we've been able to use the, you know, the produce, the product to be able to create food and uh, and, di- and incredible dishes. And so that's uh, one of the things that Hmong food uh, is kind of different all around the world just because of the terroir where, you know, the, 
the kinds of uh, produce and product they get from. But the one thing that connects us Hmong people together is our shared history and where we come from. You have a new restaurant opening in the spring of 2024 and what had been the location of Dangerous Man Brewing Company uh, in Minneapolis, uh, which is closing this month. Your new restaurant is called Vinay. Uh, tell us about that and how will it be different than um, Union Monk Kitchen? Yeah, so Vinay, um, it's uh, the name of a, the refugee camp that I was born in in 84. Uh, we left in 88. My parents met there in 77, 78. They got married uh, so they were there for 10 years and from Vinay from 75 to 92 held, uh, had 90,000 refugees in northern Laos come through after the war. Uh, out of those 90,000, um, 90% of them were Hmong and 90, and majority of those, uh, refugees ended up here in the Midwest, especially here in the Twin Cities. So Vinay in, in the Hmong community, that name is very familiar. I, everybody knows that name, you know, and the other thing too is I've always said that Vinay uh, is a love letter to my mom and dad. You know, uh, this is uh, the way that I want people to remember them is through this restaurant. Um, it's, is yeah. the, will the menu offerings be different? Uh, yeah, a little bit. Yep. We get to dig in a little bit more. Like we, you know, we get to dig in a little bit more into kind of the history of our family, uh, the, the, the different kinds of dishes that are done. Uh, you know, Union Monk Kitchen is a fast casual. You know, it, it, it's kind of like, if you think of a meats and threes, mm-hmm. that's what Union Kitchen really is. While Vinay, um, while we, Talk about Vinay. It's it's a whole experience of sitting down. You're sitting down. You're being served. You know. You're understanding uh, just kind of uh, the service aspect of it. But more importantly, um, we're gonna dig into the dishes more uh, and have these little connections to our family through it. And so that's what I'm really excited to share. It sounds wonderful. And and Abdurrahman, uh, you have four locations of Afro Deli, but I read that. Or I saw a video that showed a fine dining experience is coming soon from you. Tell me about that. Yeah, just for the record, we have four and a half restaurants. Four and a half? Yeah, yeah. Yes. Where's the uh, half The one? State Fair. The State Fair. Yeah, okay. 12 yes. days. Okay. So right. it's going to be every year. So we count that as a restaurant too. <laughs> yes. Thank so yeah, uh, we are working on a new concept called, uh, we don't have the name yet, but it's going to be like Afro Daily Plus. Uh-oh. Uh, right now we are fast casual. Yeah, but uh, uh, the community, you know, especially the African community in the Twin Cities, they don't have a, a fine dining. But mm. when I say fine dining, f- means uh, you know, like uh, an African fine dining, like everybody's welcome, regardless. Mm. You don't have to dress like a fine dining for other restaurants. Right. But you're gonna have the best service. You're gonna be sat down. You know, you're gonna a, have a a special occasion place maybe uh, to go. Yes, we're gonna have uh, like uh, uh, rooms for like fifteen, twenty people. Uh, 60 people we can have like different uh, you know event please event uh, rooms so we're creating an uh, an atmosphere where we enjoy the best African food mm-hmm. like fine dining type thing and so we're gonna bring like sometimes we're gonna bring chefs uh, from Africa with different you know uh, cuisines because mm-hmm. Africa is a vast continent with yes. a lot of different talents so the goal is to bring like every month a you know a young chef from a, a different country right and then i also read because i'm trying to keep up with you uh <laughs> that you're one of the new owners of uh what had been burnsville center um that you're you're getting into a, a shopping center and, and what's the goal there so burnsville mall uh is one of the best mall in the twin cities uh it's a mall for seven cities in the metro south metro area so uh after the COVID, that mall was dying. So mm-hmm. my friends, you know, f- come up with a plan to to buy, and they invite me to 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 get a share of that mall. So my goal is to bring like young, uh, you know, uh, 
immigrants mm-hmm. who came into this this country and who, look, who are looking for like a you know a small where to start a small restaurant. So we're gonna create like a small kiosk. Uh, like they can a, open shops. They can open shops. They can open, you know, small restaurants. So the goal is to empower and lift up, uh, you know, our uh, community. In the studio with me, I have uh, Abdurrahman Kahin, the owner of Afrodeli, which has four and a half locations in the Twin Cities, <laughs> uh, because now they're at the State Fair as well. And Chef Ia Vang, owner of Union Mung Kitchen, which has two locations in Minneapolis, also at the State Fair, and his newest restaurant, Vinai, which is scheduled to open in early 2024, here with me this morning. So let's talk about um, workers, hiring and keeping workers. I'm thinking about the economic news that Chris has been talking about a lot over the last couple of years. Uh, Abdurrahman, what have you learned about uh, recruiting and hiring and training workers? I think it it's one of the toughest challenges, you know, in the restaurant business because uh, we every time that you add a restaurant, you need to add more people in uh, it's uh, especially after the COVID it's been very challenging mm-hmm. but it's a challenge that we have to face and uh, we're not alone so when you're not the only one that's uh, have that challenge I think it, it's 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 a good feeling but uh, we try to get as many people as we can and especially training them you know give them uh, like a four weeks of training Four weeks? Yeah, four weeks of training. You know, every time that you hire, especially, you know, chefs and cooks, Mm -hmm. you know, they have to know the culture. They have to get trained, like, uh, properly so uh, they have the best representation of the company. So it's uh, it's, it has a challenge, but, you know, we are happy. uh, And keeping people, has that been hard? Like, after you get them trained and they're good to go, do you have a, a tough time retaining them? You know, I put a lot of effort to keep them because... Uh, we are in the business of people, mm-hmm. so it's all. About, it's not about yeah. your food. Sometimes it's about who's selling your food. So for me, it's a great deal to to keep them uh, as long sure, as yeah. as we can. And uh, most of the time, it's we hire through a reference. We ask you mm-hmm. know our employees to if they have if they know a cousin, if they know you know daughter or son. You know we do have a lot of you know, f- families related uh, in all locations. So I think that's uh, one mm-hmm. of our huge success, you know, bringing, you know, their friends and families. Um, Chef Yeah, uh, hiring people, keeping people, training people, has that given you some, some gray hairs? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> on mean, my beard. On your beard. Yeah, on the beard. Yeah, yeah. your beard, I For say. sure, for yeah. sure. <laughs> but, you know, one of the things I really learned is uh, in college, my uh, my college mentor, Mark Brockberg, taught me this acronym. You know, he said uh, it, it, it spells well out the word fat. F-A-T, right? And what kind of what kind of workers are we looking for? What kind of people are we looking for to be part of our group is faithful, available, teachable. It's this idea that we're looking for people that are faithful, that will show up, available, like I want to do this, and uh, teachable, like trainable. You know, and then when we when we bring them in, what we think about is the next acronym I think about, or not acronym, but the mantra we think about is win, build, send. We win them, you know, they buy into what we're doing, and we build them up. We train them and then we send them out either to their station or either to um, after they're done working with us and they want to go start their own thing. We can send them out to that, too. I think that's very important. Mm. Like when you when you think about having uh, people coming in to work with you, they have to believe in the mission, the vision, the values and the goals of what you're doing. Because you can you can just pick anybody because anybody would be like, oh, yeah, I want, you know, a $17 an hour job, whatever. You can do that. But how to retain them 
It's about building that identity with inside of them. And, and how does that match with what our vision, our, um, our mission, vision, values, and goals of what we're doing as a company? And so what we always talk about at our restaurant is that this is a place for the broken. We want people to come in who, because if you look at restaurant, you know, the restaurant industry, it's, we just have a lot of brokenness in it. But what we want to create is a place for the broken people to come in. And what we can do is we can show the world what broken people can do when they come in together. I think that we all carry all these things that like, especially let's just talk. Let's be honest, right? We'll talk about the restaurant world. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of drug and addiction issues. There's a lot of, you know, there's just a lot of stuff that when people look at restaurant people, they're just like, oh, yeah, that's the industry. That's the industry. And I'm just I get tired of that. I've been here for 20 years. And they get tired of that. But I want to be, we want to be able to show others what, you know. So people who are enduring some type of suffering or some challenge, right? Absolutely. Trying to to get through. Because this is where I get a little jacked up about. When the Hmong people first came to America, they were looked at as a bunch of refugees. So it's like, oh, poor them. How are they going to do this? You know, like, oh, they, you know, they're from a war-torn country. And I, I took that attitude and I said, you know what? My parents came here as refugees, right? They came here and they worked to get here. You know, our, our, the Hmong people fought for America. And after they fought for America, they were left behind, but they still made their way here. So my, my parents, my grandparents, they sacrificed everything to get here. Now, I can look at that. The next generation, we can look at that and say, oh, well, look at us. Like, you know, we're just, you know, we're just kind of a side note. But no, there was a group before us that sacrificed a lot so that we can stand here and build our future. Dad always said us, we have to know our past, to know where we stand, to know where we're going to go in the future. Mm. And so that's what we really want to do. We want to put that idea in the people who come and work with us and say, look, I don't care what your past is. I don't care what you've been through, you know, but we want to train you now. To give you trajectory for your future. Because this can be a starting point to the next Ab- thing. And then, Absolutely. And then your work is to get this relationship with the two of you because I, I know that's important to you yeah. as well, you Abdul Rahman, is teaching people business skills. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I'll, re- I'll relate to that. Uh, broken people or people who had, you know, drug addicted. Uh, you know, my restaurant's about 12, 13 years. Mm-hmm. I remember uh, 11 years ago, I hired this guy. I like him. He was a uh, good person, but he was uh, addicted Mm-hmm. 11 years later today he's a coach he coach you know a young you know a youngster in the in the community he built like two houses for his mother in mexico oh. and like he completely changed so when we uh yep. people in the restaurant business we don't send people to have a drug test you know as long as you are a good person as long as you are motivated as long as we up. give a chance. Mm-hmm. So by being in an environment with structure and support and love, you can help somebody change the way they view themselves and how they live their Absolutely. lives. Absolutely. Exactly. Right? Chris, what do you want to add about what we know about workers? Oh, I mean, I think this is just absolutely critical. I mean, it, workers, I mean, look, workers need training. They need support. They need mm-hmm. to be in a cultural environment that uh, says, hey, there are opportunities here. You're not just a cog in a machine, that mm-hmm. you are a real person. But I'm kind of curious, Angela, if it's okay if uh, mm-hmm. ask a question. Mm-hmm. For both of you, where did, you, know, you could have been surgeons, you could have been lawyers. And My mom just, would have liked that. I yeah, think. Exactly. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm that's just what I was thinking. And yet you decided yeah. to become restaurateur. Mm-hmm. So where did the idea to become a restaurateur mm-hmm. come from? So my background is media production. I used to, you know, I went to school for, you know, film and photography. Mm-hmm. Uh, so food and media, they have some relations. 
Tell me, because I know. eat all the time. <laughs> yeah. I work in media, but there's another relationship. So I'm not, sh- I'm not a chef, but I <laughs> yes. think I'm an artist, and food is, is an art. So when you know what people like, people like good food, good smell, like, you know, enjoy meals. I'm not a chef, but I know how to come up or how to envision, or how to bring people together to create that meal. That's what Afro Daily is about. We have a, uh, we brought together like 13 years ago, like different chefs, Somali chefs, you know, African chefs. And then we ask them to create a meal that Minnesotans can mm-hmm. enjoy. Mm. Um, what did the pandemic do to hurt or help your businesses? You were um, in different, you know, stages. Um, what do you recall the most about the pandemic, Abdurrahman? So for me, when COVID happened, it was a big distress, right. especially uh, immigrant community, especially the, the elders in the community. There are a lot of uh, elders in the community who rely on, uh, you know, food stamp, who rely on adult daycares. So when every business was shut down, those were the most affected. And the good thing I, will, I, I have been on all my life, you know, community activist. So I knew I was aware of the situation in the community. So I, uh, we had some food left because we have four restaurants. And when everything closed, we, we had a lot of food left over, right? So we tried to cook those food and bring to, uh, to those elders in the, you know, in the public housing. Mm-hmm. And then we give them like two days meal, like about 300, 400 meals. And then they keep calling us, will you guys bring in today? Will you guys bring in tomorrow? And that changed my life. So I had to call, make phone calls, the state level, city levels, the nonprofit organization. So luckily I was able to talk to the Meals on Wheels. Mm-hmm. We had some programs. So we started uh, with them. And uh, for two years and a half, we were working with Meals on Wheels. And I think, you know, millions of, we, we helped them deliver you know, millions mm-hmm. of uh, of meals. But for your business, a big financial setback. It it was a, a big uh, financial setback, but uh, we at least uh, con- you know uh, retain our mm-hmm. our fo- workforce, and we even added more staff during COVID because we had to cook more meals for takeout. Uh, no, or for the actually we were delivering to public housings, mm-hmm. and then we contracted with Ramsey County who were helping uh, homelesses who had like a few, you know, shelters. So we, we grow uh, during COVID too. See, doing the right thing and doing then the, the, right, the thing, right thing exactly. uh, came to you. Yes, right? Ramsey County, uh, Second Harvest, Mills on Wheels. Mm-hmm. And we even work with uh, Chef uh, Andre- uh, Andreas uh, from Washington, D.C., Wall Central Kitchen. They were uh, sending funds for, and then we were cooking for the healthcare providers, you know, in, wow. in, 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 you know, in the Twin Cities. Mm-hmm. So during covid you know, we were very, very busy. And, uh, Chef, yeah, I remember talking to you a couple of times during the pandemic, and I remember going to then pick up, get takeout <laughs> yeah. from, um, from, from, from Union Mun Kitchen, uh, which was a food truck in a parking lot. I remember mm-hmm. that was the first time yep, I yep. had, because you yep. sold that, that, that purple, sociable cider. that sticky yep. rice to me, and yep. I just, I had to have it that day. Yeah. But how did, when you look back at the pandemic, what was going on for your business, and how did it yeah. help or hurt you? Yeah, I mean, 
it hurt in the way of like people couldn't go out anymore, you know. Right. But the other thing too, I don't know if I call it, it help, but I what it did was it helped us get creative. Yeah. You know, there were things that we were doing that I thought we would never do, but we did it. But the, the really incredible thing was we were so used to running pop-ups where, you know, where it's like you hop from here to here to here. Right. And so we were able to shoot from the hips a little bit, um, you know, um, from a you know football term. I'd say we were running and gunning for a little bit. And that actually helped us because we were small. So we were able to be versatile. And we uh, through that, we slowly grew. What's the deal with the State Fair? Why is that such a big deal to be on the fairgrounds, uh, Opti Raman? State Fair, it's the Super Bowl of restaurants. Yes, you have to be because uh, the exposure you get those yes. 12 days, yeah. it's like unbelievable because you got about 2 million people mm-hmm. coming through the, the State Fair and uh, you you have to show you know your best your best food so they can come to the restaurant, and also state fair. The good thing about the state fair is not only the twin cities; it's not just the metro. People are coming from oh yeah, you know, the all the Midwest, the whole state. states. Right. So I think it's uh, where you have to be if you own a restaurant. If you want to grow your restaurant, state fair is must. But I know it's very hard to get in. This was your first summer. It's and, my first year. Yes. And then how was it? And have you seen some benefit now? Uh, yeah, we saw like a big benefit. Of course, uh, we were we know we did good in sales. Did well. mm-hmm. uh, we did uh, also we were one of the top uh, twelve businesses this year with uh, wow. the Manginion too. So we yeah. we were one of the award winners of uh, our first year. So it was like a great experience. Thank right. you. And 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 chef, yeah. your, your second year at the state fair. Yep, what do you certainly. say about it? The exposure, you know, the Yeah, I mean, you obviously you have all of that, but I think from a personal level, you know, we did the calabals, which is mom's steam bun, you know, like this thing that she's been oh, creating yeah. for us. she's making for us for ever since we were kids. Mm. And honestly, like a year ago, if you were going to tell me that these they made her, my mom, my aunt, and some few of the church ladies made twenty three thousand of them. <laughs> so if you line them up together, the church, the church, you have to pull in the church ladies to help. And you. A couple of the church ladies, yeah. And there was like six or seven of them. And if you think about it, twenty three thousand calabas. If you line them up together, it's about a mile and a half. You get out the state fair on Snelling, and you take a left. That's like past Larpender and almost a Target. You think about that. If we line them on the ground, and so mom and their, her team did that. And Scalapau, like six months ago, it was just something in our family that we, you know we eat. Right. But at the state fair, it got into the hands of so many people across <laughs> the state and across the country. And I never thought that I see that. And so, more importantly, is the Scalapau was my brother uh, was in. Uh, grad school in upstate new york and he would go to class and he needed something to eat and mom would make them here you know freeze them and then send them over to new york and that's how she you know he would have breakfast it's a mother taking care of her baby think about that and that's what she did she says i i want to do this so when i told her that the projection might be in the twenty thousand, she just didn't blink she's like okay tell us when to start (laughs) and so that going to mom mode yeah Yeah. and that to me that's tenacity right that's like the no quit (laughs) grit that goes inside and that's something i don't think some people really see they're like oh that's cute like she made this it's like no no no. like it's a force that you know and she her and her team was unstoppable wow uh, Abdurrahman, what's your understanding of what it was that the Small Business Administration saw in your business? What did they see in Afrodeli that earned you that award from them in May? Again, Small Business Owner of the Year, a national honor. Um, what 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 do you tell people? Like, well, why why were you chosen? What what did you do to earn that? Do you think? Because of my good sambusas. Yeah, <laughs> <Not> the sambusas. <laughs> All right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, I think 
Sambusa was one of it because of how we grow the business and uh, growing to four restaurants in the, uh, you know, as a you know, new immigrant, it's not easy task. So I think that's also good credit, but also the work we did during COVID with the we you know with the community. Mm-hmm. So I think that's yes. the most important. Impressive. And for yeah. folks, I have experienced the sambusa, the the chicken one, the beef, beef. one, the vegetable vegetarian yes. ones. They are fantastic. But uh, describe what that is to folks who are not familiar. So sambusa is, uh, you know, I, I would say in the U.S. it's like hot dogs or the tacos. But uh, stuffed with, uh, you know, chicken, beef, and veggie. And uh, it's the one of the best ta- uh, snack, you know, in, in, in Africa. Mm-hmm. So introducing sambusas here in the Twin Cities, it's... Uh, it's like was, a pouch, like it has a, mm-hmm. a, a, like a bread it's, exterior. Yep, stuffed with stuffed. the chicken mm-hmm. and uh, vegetables, yeah. uh, cilantro, uh, garlic, mm-hmm. uh, some African spices. So the state fair, that's what we were selling. And he... We we made about fifty to sixty thousand yeah. sambuses, and what we did to to prepare those sambuses, uh, we had to hire about ten fifteen people and prepare like ten days before the state fair. Mm-hmm. Wow! So, wow. and I read too that uh, at that uh, award ceremony that Chris Farrell was the MC for, where you got that award. Um, you you have said that you want Afrodeli to become the first national African restaurant chain in the U.S. So you're looking at a national yes, chain. Yes, yes, because uh, African food is so delicious, and but we're just the latecomers in the restaurant business in in you know in, in North America. So we have the chance and the platform to grow, you know, mm-hmm. to different you know across the country, across the states. That's our goal. So now the advice. So for people who want to be like you, whether or not it's the food business, um, but people who want to be generous, but also prosperous. Yeah, as you think about advice, what advice do you give to people? Yeah, I would. This is the thing that I always say to people. Um, there, there are two routes. One, um, I would say uh, learn your craft. Show up. Learn. There's so many opportunities out there for you to just go and sit and learn. And I say be quiet, be humble, and be open. And that's what you need to do just to learn, just to take everything in. The other thing, which I love talking to, especially going to high schools here and talking to uh, young students and everything, where I say in your lifetime, you're going to have these incredible people around you and they're going to they're going to believe in you and they're going to tell you these things. And it's like uh, it's like equity, right? You're going to take that little equity and you're going to put it in a little piggy bank inside your heart and you're going to keep doing that. And and when I talk to high school kids, I'm like, you're going to get like 10 to 15 years of that and you keep filling that piggy bank because there's because there's going to come a day when you need to break the bank and you need to take all of that and you have to go bet on yourself. And for me, that's what I had. High school, college, there were these great mentors. There were people who said, hey, we believe in you. We think that this is a great idea. And what the most incredible thing, Angela, is today, 20-some years later from graduating from high school, right, those people end up at our restaurant. And they come in from across the state. And to be like, 20 years ago, I saw this. And so for me, it's about finding those people around you and keeping these little, little, like I call them little nuggets of equity and you keep filling that piggy bank. And when it's time, you're going to have to break that piggy bank. You got to take all that and you have to go to the bank and you have to bet it on yourself. And that's what I would say is be, be quiet, be humble, be teachable and look for those little emotional equity. Mm, be teachable. Yeah. yeah. I, I will just echo that. And uh, giving back should be mm-hmm. uh, the core principle of your business because when, when you are a business owner, mm-hmm. you're not only responsible to yourself or to your family, but you are responsible 
in the community that you're living in. If you want your community to pres- to prosper, you have to be engaged. You have to be, you know, part of the community. And your business will grow without, you know, you noticing by just giving back. Mm. And and mentors, you would and ask, mentor, yes, like, yes, like a- ask somebody. Yes, going right? to you know, going to college, going to you know, high school, universities, and sharing your experience. I think it's also another great way to mm-hmm. uh, to spread the love, to to spread how to give back to the community. And um, Chris, do you have any uh, other questions? For oh, or what we've seen about what helps? Yeah, no, I'm, but I'm just sort of, sort of curious because I mean, I love this, but. Um, when you started, where did the money come from? Yeah. You know what, Chris, to be honest, I was too young and dumb to think about that. To be completely honest, <laughs> I had $350 in my checking account. And when our first pop-up we ever did, I said, I'm going to take that $350. I'm going to buy ingredients and product with it. And hopefully, we can make 400 back. So I need 50 bucks for gas the next week. That's It, it, was, it was just pure, like... I was sleeping on my brother's couch. I was like, you know, they, hey, let's just rock it out. And I didn't know any of that stuff. I didn't know the financial literacy behind any of that. We didn't have a P&L. I didn't have a pro forma. I didn't have any of that. It was just go. And I got, I think that I got that from my father. It's just one of those, we can plan all we want, but it has to start with the first step. I need action. And that's what I did. And sometimes that's my fault. That's one of the faults I have. You know, running a business, and sometimes that's just something where like it, it works out for us. But yeah, now that's a I'm great learning, fault to have. Yeah, I think. yeah, <laughs> and now I'm learning a lot of that. The, the importance of financial literacy, understanding what numbers are, understanding spreadsheets, and that's where we have an incredible CFO Jeff who constantly helps me and teaches me through that. And Abdurrahman, did you save a bunch of money before you opened the very first Afrodeli? What happened? In the uh, no, actually, uh, it's a little bit different than his because <laughs> <laughs> you're smarter. <laughs> I no, actually, no. I was lucky. Sometimes you have luck, you know, exists. Uh, you know, the African Development Center, uh, which like the economic uh, development helped by the city and the state, mm-hmm. uh, was run by a late Hussein Samatar, who was a friend. So he saw my. You know, my talent, he, he saw me in the community. I used to run a small coffee shop. And then one day he said, hey, can we talk uh, about you opening the space on their location? And then we agree. And then they, because they were a financial institution, they had some loans. And uh, and that's how Afrodale started. So you so, had an investor. But yes. the, the key thing you said, he saw you. They yes, saw what yes. you were doing. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, he saw community. what I was doing in the community. Right. How, how how I was running the coffee, uh, mm-hmm. you know, my coffee shop. So the, sometimes you have to go the, do the extra mile and show, you know, you have to convince your investors right. because investors, they like, you know, results. They don't mm-hmm. like, you know, because you are, you talk nice. <laughs> when they see your results, action, they right. want to, yes. Um, I see the two of you and I want to thank the two of you and I will continue to watch your careers and thank you for sharing your time with us this morning. Um, I've been talking with uh, Abdurrahman Kahin, the owner and CEO of Afrodeli, and Chef Yavang, who is the owner of Union Mung Kitchen uh, in Minneapolis. And uh, Chef, in the new year, in 2024, we'll see uh, Vinay open. Hopefully. Yes, yeah. yes. No, yeah, and, and, and Abdurrahman and the yet-to-be-named fine dining experience, Afrodeli Plus, we'll call it for That's now, great. also coming maybe in 2024? 2025. 2025. All right. I like looking forward to things. Thank you so much for your time. Thanks for listening to a recording of my live radio show on NPR News. A reminder that if you want to catch my show in real time, tune in and call in weekdays at 9 a.m.